The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The victory horns are live and they are sounding for the new BMF champion. And his name is Justin Gaethje after a sensational second round head kick knockout victory over Dustin Poirier to cap off just a crazy night of fights, not just in the MMA world, but the boxing world as well. And we are here to react to a very memorable UFC 291 event. Thank you for joining us, everybody. I am Mike Heck, still here in New York City. Just, I I don't even know what to say. What an absolutely incredible card, but I am not here alone. We have the wise wordsmith himself, Shaheen Alshadi, joining us once again. Hello, Shaheen. What's up, man? I'm loving the whimsical background you got going on in this hotel room. It's very, uh, it's very Mario Kingdom-esque. It is. It's a very, uh, yeah, it's very designy. Not really my style, but hey, what can you do? It's right around the corner and it's cheap-ish. So what can you do? And of course, Mr. Hot Take himself, Mr. No Gray Area, Jed Mishu. Hi, Jed. What's up, buddy? How was, how was the watch party? Did you guys have fun? Oh, so much fun. The Derek Lewis knockout, part. which we're going to talk about, was really one of my favorite five minutes in the history of the watch party but i'm sure we'll talk about that and and much more. performance of the year i want to be clear we don't have a category for performance of the year (laughs) but if you take start to finish performance of the year by by a mile oh you're taking it away from robbie lawler already that quickly i am did robbie lawler strip to his skivvies and hit like 400 (laughs) dx chops because i if he did there's a conversation to be had but he didn't, you know what? so here we are. 
that is the one thing that could have made the greatest retirement of all time better is if he would have taken his cup out and thrown it into the crowd. Yeah. Just just, just stripping naked and throwing everything to the fans. It's incredible. Yeah. Doing all the dances, everything that was involved in that. But boy, Shaheen, we're, we're coming off UFC 290 and how memorable that was. I feel like 290 from like a technical aspect will probably be like the better card overall. But in terms of just which card we're going to remember the most, at least to this point in 2023, I feel like this one's, and I know it's maybe recency bias, but I was jacked up heading into this thing and I was even more jacked up on the walk back to the hotel because of what we witnessed tonight. How would you sort of grade the quality of the card overall, especially with how we finish things up with Justin Gaethje's incredible knockout, which we'll dive into a little bit more in depth in a moment. But this was just a crazy ass card, wasn't it? I mean, it absolutely was. I I don't know if it was better than 290, right? Like that's a pretty high bar to set. I would still have 290 as the event of the year. Uh, But I mean, what a month of fights just generally, right? Like the fact that we got these within the same month, really just a couple of weeks away from each other. uh, Tremendous stuff. Main card was was really, you know, it was everything we could have asked for except for one blip, uh, you know, little Tony Ferguson fight was more depressing than anything. But other than that, I mean, this was a very fun night of fights and you couldn't have asked for more, right? Like this is, this was uh, a tremendous and Utah just seems to bring it like whatever's in the air in Utah is just bringing out these really wild results that I'm here for it. Jed, what, what do you think? Cause I, I feel like, I do feel like 290 is the better card, like overall, like from a live watching perspective, but Six months from now, if you're just like, hmm, I wonder what July was like, and you just go back and you have to pick one of these cards, like, which one are you going to watch first? Are you going to watch this one first or are you going to watch 290 first? This is, this is not even a contest. It's 290 by a mile. Are we are we pretending? I, it was three weeks ago. Do we not remember getting on this program and being like, is that one of the five best events that has literally ever happened? Robbie Lawler with the iconic retiree, a billion, eight eight second finishes uh an electric performance one of the greatest performances we've ever seen in the main event the co-main event one of the best fights of the year like 290 is killing it as no that's nothing bad to say about 291 but this it would be prisoner of the moment to say that this was any level of more enjoyable the Derek lewis thing is sensational that's just awesome I mean, this was a really good card top to bottom. Hell of a July from the UFC. But uh, I don't remember feeling like really sad watching UFC 290. And there are two moments that you could be pretty sad about on just this main card. So not even a contest. Fair enough. Just wanted to float that idea out. But Shaheen, let's talk about the main event. You joined us for the co-main event. But the main event, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, were wondering what this first round was going to look like. It was tactical. But somewhat chaotic. You could see the the intensity ramping up as the round went on. And then the second round happens. And less than a minute into the round, Justin Gaethje taps into his inner Leon Edwards and delivers almost the identical finish in a main event that we got at UFC 278 the last time they were in Utah. So talk about Gaethje's performance and just just him ethering Dustin Poirier the way that he did. Cause I don't think a lot of us saw that coming the way that it happened. No, I mean, I think all of us picked Dustin Poirier on the, on the preview show, right? Like I have to say, man, the continued evolution of Justin Gaethje is 
has not stopped being surprising to me in sort of the depths and the levels to which this guy has been able to continue evolving into his mid-30s at this point. I mean, just, this was a very different Justin Gaethje than the guy who came into the UFC fighting Michael Johnson and just going balls to the wall at all times and just trying to be the most exciting fighter ever to live, right? Like this Justin Gaethje tonight, very aware of the moment, very aware of how important this was for his career. We saw an extremely technical performance in there. And and I mean I I, do, I I just love this man so much of just be like I you know I've never really trained that kick before I never really tried that kick but it seemed like a good time to throw it out like it's just magic every time this guy's in the cage he's now fought twelve times in the UFC he has twelve post fight bonuses like this is the the levels to which this man delivers every time out we see every time you see him is almost unparalleled like right like we we could talk about Robbie Lawler all we want and we did a bunch a couple weeks ago but like Robbie Lawler had some stinkers in there. Justin Gaethje has never had a stinker his entire life, and that thread continues through. And at this point, like, I am very excited for whatever – I feel like we have talked in the past about, like, Justin Gaethje 2.0, right? Like, Justin 2.0 was going to be the guy that went in and fought Habib, and it was going to be a pretty intriguing stylistic fight. And then Habib made very short work of him. This is almost that 3.0 level of him where he just – again, the continued evolution of him. I am extremely interested to see – what just this version of Justin Gaethje could do against an Islam Makachev because Islam Makachev is not Habib. He, he's maybe 80% of Habib. And I think that that 20% there, that's, that's a lot, right? Like that's pretty important. I, I do, I am, when I look at the overall landscape of 155 right now, this version of Justin Gaethje to me is by far the most intriguing matchup stylistically in person who maybe could threaten Islam, who's not Alexander Volkanovsky. And, and I'm here for it. And obviously you know, we have some steps to go. He, Charles and Islam are going to do their business later this year in that rematch. I'm excited, though, man. I, I This Justin keeps proving me wrong, and it, it's, it's, it's very interesting, and it's cool to see. Jed, a, lo- a lot of the talk on the preview show was, and, and even just with our primers throughout the week was, is this a lock for fight of the year, right? And I think a lot of us felt like it might not be the fight of the year, but it's at least going to make all of our lists. And I don't think a lot of us took into consideration that we could get a knockout of the year nominee out of this. And we certainly did. This is going to make all of the lists. It may not win, but it's going to make all the lists. What did you think of Gage's performance? Are you surprised that it played out the way that it did? And I know this is one of those fights where we all said sort of in a cliche way, nothing would really surprise us here. But to see the way that head kick landed and to see Poirier go down in a heap like that, did you see that coming at all? Well, certainly not what I predicted. I'm not, but I'm not surprised by this because all outcomes were in play here ex- except for boring. Boring was the only thing that could, could not have happened in this fight because Dustin Poirier could have clubbed Justin Gaethje. They, bo- they both hit extremely hard. The commentary made a point of, you know, Charles Oliveira saying the hardest dude who ever hit him is Justin Gaethje. Uh, Gaethje has always been that dude. The thing with Gaethje is he lo- usually doesn't swing like that hard, but. He still hits like a freaking truck. So I knew that this was a possibility. I just – Dustin Poirier hasn't been knocked out. It's just not a thing that really happens to him since the Conor McGregor fight a lifetime ago. So even – and that, that was the other thing. Like he's been tagged a bunch. I mean, Michael Chandler had him hurt at various points, but he still fought his way through. Real tough to fight your way through getting kicked right upside the head like that. Uh, so not what I anticipated. I did pick Justin Gaethje to win this fight, but I thought it would be a, a really back-and-forth war and not just sort of a sudden explosion. But Gaethje looked so good tonight, man. Like, I don't think he's going to be the dude to beat Islam. Uh, I think 
what Shaheen said about, uh, you know, Makachev. I've been saying that for a long time. Like he's just 80% of Habib and 80% of Habib is still better than every lightweight in the world. But that is a, that, that helps him at the same token. I think there's some, some advantages he has. And everyone now looks back on Gaethje Habib as a dominant display for Habib. And it was like, you can't really rewrite that. But also Habib was like three leg kicks away from getting folded. Like he was he was having to go through fire to beat Justin Gaethje. So maybe something happens if if that's what happens with Makachev. Or Oliveira, I mean, Gaethje dropped Oliveira like four times in that fight before getting dropped himself and getting submitted. I'd love to watch them run that back. So uh, not shocked by the outcome. It's not what I anticipated, but I knew it was in the range. And this is just dope because Justin Gaethje fighting either of these dudes for the belt is going to be electric. It's going to be real interesting to see how the UFC sort of approaches this because, Jed, one thing that you have said for months was that Conor McGregor is not going to fight Michael Chandler next. It's just not going to happen. And of oh, course, like a pretty good call too, Mike. And of course, we knew Conor- about that prediction. We knew Conor was going to have something to say, but he basically laid it out like F Chandler let's go you and me. And I know Dustin Gaethje has accomplished a lot. And the one thing he really hasn't accomplished is winning the undisputed title. And that opportunity could still be there for him if he fights Connor. So do you feel right now that Justin Gaethje's next fight, are you, do you feel, are you ready to put like a 95 to hundred percent tag that he's fighting the Makachev Oliveira winner? Or do you think the UFC will pivot to this Connor Justin Gaethje fight because Connor wants it and, Justin don't like the man at all. 100% he's fighting for the belt next. Gaethje's not Gaethje's not going to step aside to fight Connor um, unless it is a, size, a sum of money that the UFC won't offer him. Like he's just not going to do it because if he wins the title, he can fight Connor. Or if he loses, he can fight Connor. And you heard him at the post fight presser. He basically knows old Connor the entire time. Like it's just he's not going to st- he he wants an undisputed belt and then he can worry about connor the connor fight is always there for him when you are the level of fighter the level of showman he is that connor fight never goes away so 100 percent, he is fighting for the belt this next one yeah i agree shaheen interesting times here for both of these guys justin gaethje going in there and he's he's gonna fight for the belt where does Dustin Poirier go now? This is one of the big questions we had. Does the loser just get knocked out of title contention altogether? And I felt like this result kind of kept the door somewhat open for Dustin Poirier because then they could do the trilogy fight, perhaps for the belt if Gaethje somehow wins it. But Gaethje saying something very interesting at the press conference that him and Poirier were talking in the octagon. They were just kind of like had a gentleman's agreement. Let's just not fight each other again. I think that'd be like a really good idea. But where does Dustin go now after this loss? Uh, well, first I want to say, just echo what Jed was talking about. I mean, Justin no-selling Connor in that in that post-presser was, was pretty delightful, if I have to be honest, right? Like that, like this is a man who has <laughs> been in the Connor like orbit for a really long time now. He's wanted that fight for a really long time. And the way he no-sold him just made Connor look almost like really desperate in a way that was unique. And also I just have to say the line that he that he spit was tremendous a plus right like i think he's turned me down six times and usually you have to lose to fight him so i don't know what's going on you usually have to lose to fight him like that's pretty great right now uh justin's killing it dustin i mean this is a tough one for justin it, it we've been in a weird spot with dustin for a while now even going back to the connor fights right like after the connor fights it seemed like well obviously he's going to fight for the title next 
that's sort of what, what's been waiting for him. We were all calling him the number one lightweight in the world, even though he didn't have that belt. He doesn't get it. And at that point, it seemed like it was really difficult to find fights for him that he would be into, right? Like he even talked about it tonight of the Benil Dariush thing kind of just didn't really do anything for him. It didn't really, he didn't get up for that. And Benil Dariush is a top four, five lightweight in the world. Like that's a really important high-class fight and it just couldn't get dustin that interested this one same type of thing where you know dustin was he super excited to take a fight like this not really he even said it in the lead-up where this is just something that sort of landed on his plate i don't know really where he goes from here right like he's he was very open and honest you have to appreciate it that he's not here to face up-and-comers i i don't see him taking someone like an Armand Sarukian or a Gamrot or even a Fiziev or anything like that, right? Any of these names that are maybe newer names coming up in this division. Dustin just feels like he's not a part of that same conversation with them or at least in a way that would it would get him up to, to do it, right? Maybe welterweight is the move. I mean, we, we've heard for a long time that this is a hard cut for him to make. He never enjoys making it. it seemed like this was the easiest cut he's had to lightweight in a long time. So, you know, I don't know if welterweight is the move because ultimately what would be waiting for him would be probably like a Colby Covington fight. And, and Dustin has already said he doesn't want that fight and he, he's not interested in, in giving Colby that sort of shine, right? I don't know that he, he would really fit in that division either. He's not some huge lightweight in that respect. He's not going to be towering over these dudes it's the same way we saw Alex Pereira tonight. It's a tough spot, man. It's a tough spot. I could see him sitting on the sidelines until, you know, something comes up i don't know off the top of my head i don't know what that would be what that type of big name would be that would lure him back for another one i don't think that this is the last time we've seen him fight but i also think it's very possible we just don't see justin poirier for like a year or something like that because again the visual tonight was kind of weird too right like we we when's the last time we've seen justin poirier out cold like that like he 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 lost once at, the only time other time he's been knocked out at lightweight was the Michael Johnson fight right and that was 2016 so how long ago was that i can't do math on the fly but that's like 7 years ago the the visual of what we saw tonight like that's just so foreign to us at, at 155 pounds that's not who dustin has been he he's been this ultra durable guy who who gets hit plenty often but he he doesn't go out like that and he gets in these wars and ultimately he's the one who digs deep and he's the one who perseveres Maybe this is start, the end of that, right? Like he's 34 years old. He's taken a lot of damage in his career. He, I think he's self-aware enough to understand it. So, you know, I don't know what's next for Dustin. I think he falls in a really weird place in this division. And I don't know. I don't see like a very obvious next matchup for him, if I'm being honest. Well, I got you, Shaheen. Hit me. Hit you. me, Jed. I want it. I want it. So Casey and I were talking about this in the, at the post-fight presser. And I had the same reaction. We were talking through. It was like, Hey, ain't nobody lightweight for him to fight at welterweight. Like Wonder Boy's kind of fun. Maybe the Colby, nothing jumped out. And then it struck me in between then and now. It's so obvious, guys. It's it's maybe the most obvious fight you can imagine. It's not going to happen soon. It's going to be a bit of a minute. But uh, in I think like two weeks, next weekend, uh, there's a fight happening between one Nathan Diaz and Jake Paul. And Nate has basically specifically stated many times, I'm a box this dude and I'm going to come back to the UFC. I believe sometime next year we will finally get Dustin Poirier versus Nate Diaz in the UFC because that is a fight that Dustin Poirier will immediately accept. And so I think that's what we're going to get. It's just going to be like next summer. It's going to be almost a full year, but I think that's what's coming. You win. You just won. 
You want you want, you you take over Otno. You I'm sorry, Mike. Your show has now been handed over to Jed. That's it. That's that's the right call. That Mike, I'd like my Otno point uh, whenever that happens. <laughs> so that's because it's the only fight Dustin's going to take. He's just not going to fight. It's and the only thing that's that not makes sense. that's not being critical. Like maybe if Connor does come back and Connor just begs for it, Dustin would accept a big bag of money. But I don't, this doesn't seem likely. It's just going to be Nate Diaz next summer. UFC 300. It might be UFC 300 is going to be converse is going to be Dustin versus Nate. Like that's I think that's where we're at. But you don't think I, if I don't know if it would Nate happen does, that quickly. But I yeah, think I don't think so either. When is when is 300 going to be? April, I mean, we're at, we're at 291. Oh, is it April? Oh, I was thinking it was yeah. going to be in the summer. So yeah, okay, it won't be then 300. But it's just going to be the summer card. Whatever the next international fight week, something like that, we'll have Nate Dustin. I would I put a lot idea. of money that, on that. I, that that's a hundred percent the fight that's about to happen. Yeah, because he's about to box Jake, and once he boxed Jake, there's nothing else for Nate really to do. Like he could he do the Connor. Tommy Fury thing, but but Connor's still wrapped up in the UFC, so he's just gonna be like, "I'll come back to the UFC, I'll do my trilogy with Connor, and I'll fight Dustin Poirier, and it'll be fine." Yeah, that's probably the happen. one. That's probably the one for Dustin, and that could be the last one. Unless I mean, Gaethje wins the belt. That's the only other outcome is Gaethje wins the belt and maybe they do a trilogy, but that doesn't seem very likely either. So I don't see them shoehorning Dustin into a title shot off a loss in this division as much as Dustin's a popular guy. Like I just don't see that happening at lightweight. He's not Connor. We'll see. But yeah, I, I think it's Nate. It's just going to be Nate. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty good choice right there. Well, that's the main event. Let's talk about the co-main event. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet five bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Alex Pereira getting it done, Shaheen. You, you watched it on the watch party, and I thought, even re-watching it, because I had to go, go put the timestamps in, I watched the second round back on the watch party, and I was like, oh my God, like, Electric. I felt like Electric. this close to my prediction ringing true of Pereira landing a big flying knee in round two after getting up from a takedown. Turns out, the fight went another round and a half, and Pereira was able to kind of keep Blahovich off of him. And even when Blahovich shot takedowns late, he was able to stifle him. And from the second round on, if Blahovich did get him down, Pereira was able to get right back up. So while it would have been very cool for my prediction to ring true, and I probably would just, there's nothing would ever top that moment in my career. I feel like this result was actually better for Alex Pereira. I think we learned a whole hell of a lot about this man and the improvements that he was able to make. Sure, altitude played a factor. Jan got tired. But Alex Pereira winning by decision against Jan Bohovic was not on a lot of people's bingo cards, Shaheen Alshadi. What did you learn about Alex Pereira tonight that you didn't know before? I got to say, Mike, screw fight of the year. Uh, those three minutes where it looked like your very specific prediction was about to come true was the most electric three minutes in MMA for me of the entire year. <laughs> I was on the I was on the edge of my seat. I wanted that so badly for you. And it looked like for a second we were about to get it. I I, I really, I really wanted that badly for you. <laughs> um now nah, man, I mean it's it's I agree with you. Like that was that I was incredibly impressed by that. And I'm just generally incredibly impressed by Alex Pereira and sort of what he's been able to do at this point in his career. Like this man, I, I know you you said it on the on the on the post show or on the the presser show, Jed, because I tweeted it. But like Alex Pereira is speed running a potential Hall of Fame UFC career in record time in a way that I've really never seen anyone ever do it. And it's absolutely absurd when you think about it. Because less than two years ago, this man was fighting the immortal Andreas Michaelitis. Uh, as just like this weird novelty and losing to him he was losing to him he was was purely like this this curio like this really just fun novelty on the undercard of this pay-per-view who like hey maybe this will just be like a fun thing we can talk about until he inevitably loses and we don't get the izzy fight and now like less than two years later i think it's like 20 months ufc belt hanging above his mantelpiece Call, can call himself the only middleweight to beat Izzy in, in MMA in MMA in the UFC. One of only two wow. light heavyweights now to beat yeah, nice uh, to beat Jan Bukovic <laughs> in this division's post Jones era, and he's one win away from becoming the eighth two division champion in UFC history. Like that's a hell of a resume for anyone, much less someone who has less than ten MMA fights on their resume. Like it's it's nonsensical. It's ridiculous. I'm. It makes me so much more fascinated to see this like brush of glory champions and contenders who are just like rushing over to mma now to see like hey if this worked for this guy maybe this will work for us too like maybe we're about to enter just a really fun era of cool kickboxers doing cool kickboxing things um but tonight was impressive man like jan blakovitz is no one's fool and, and he, yeah alex Pereira went in there i thought he showed really improved takedown defense he stopped eight five of those eight takedowns pretty decent submission defense in that first round he was thrust into a really tough spot 
you have to imagine Glover Teixeira has been putting him in that spot for, for quite a bit in the preparation for this. He got, he made it out of it and he really just outlasted Jan and, and we were talking about it on, on the watch party, but those calf kicks, man, the way he just chews these dudes up with those calf kicks is, is brutal to absolutely to watch. Like I am stunned. Jan was still, was still moving in the way that he was by the end of that fight. Oscar versus Yuri is the fight this division deserves. Right. Like this, that's the title fight. That that is a fight of the year contender on paper, if I have ever seen one. That those two Tasmanian devils are just the, carry like the best version of unpredictability and the death touch and all of it. Like that, that is a matchup that screams chaos in the best possible way. And I'm so excited for it because it, it seems like finally this 205 pound division is is sort of getting out of the malaise the weird cursed nature of it that befell it in this post Jones era. Like, I feel like we're, we're there. We're almost there. Right. I love, I love that. You just said the division's getting out of the weird cursed era when for the second time in less than a year, the light heavyweight champion is vacated about two days. But that's what I'm saying. But this next one is tremendous. This is like, this is my most anticipated fight of the year. Maybe now. I agree that it's fun. Like it's, but light heavyweight hadn't been fun for years. When John was the champion, light heavyweight sucked for That's like much saying. of the now run. Now we're having some fun. It's been terrible. Now we're and having we're, fun. We're about to watch Alex Pereira boop Yuri and become the champion. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be the funniest <laughs> okay. damn thing. It's Yuri is going to throw a spinning back elbow and get booped mid spin, and <laughs> it's going to be incredible. I can't wait for it. It's going to be the best. Well, ten I mean, fights. Jed, ten fights. This man has ten MMA fights. What the, what the hell are we talking? As about? the as the wonderful Kaposa tweeted earlier this week or tonight. Sorry, not this week. Uh, it's really fun to watch Alex Pereira prove that MMA is a fake sport. <laughs> <laughs> MMA isn't real, uh, and it's not. <laughs> oh, you guys think for thirty years this is what fighting is? No, MMA is fake, and Alex Pereira is proving it. It's great. It's the best. Now, Jed, I, I listened to No Bets Fired and. Even when this matchup was made, you felt like this is a really kind of bad matchup to introduce Alex Pereira to the division. And you felt that you, you picked Jan to win. You felt Jan would go on and, and just kind of wrestle him the entire time. It was going to look very similar to the Izzy fight. It was something that you brought up. To see how Alex Pereira fought in the first round was not great for him. But to see him come back and, as Shaheen said, just outlast Jan Bohovic and not just go out there and just ether him, just win a 15 minute decision and get the job done. What did you take away from this? Were you surprised that the fight went that down to the way that it did? Cause I would expect that yeah. you were super was, uh, I don't know. Like Jan Bohovic is one of the best defenders of kicks and mixed martial arts He's really good at defending leg kicks. That's why Magomed Ankalaev like struggled so hard cause he couldn't kick him. And Pereira just kicked the shit out of him. Like <laughs> just relentlessly took his leg away, which was shocking to me. Uh, this fight did feel a little bit like maybe Jan underestimated uh, what gas tank he would need to implement this strategy because he was breathing really heavy after five minutes of full control. So, uh, But, I mean, incredible performance from Pereira who looks the best he has looked on the ground thus far because he hasn't looked good in the stuff we've seen, uh, was able to defend himself that first time. And then once Jan... Once Jan was no longer an offensive threat on the floor, then it was he was immediately just getting to his feet, getting away, from, you know, resetting. I scored the fight a draw. I'll rewatch it and see because I still sort of think that that first round deserves more love than it gets. But you gave a ten eight in the first round. Yeah, 
I always give a 10-8 if you do nothing. And Alex Pereira had zero offense, so I think that's worth a 10-8. Um, Even with no damage? like, Yeah, because you don't have to have damage. I say this, like, it's it's a requirement. If you have all three of them, damage, dominance, and a duration, then you have to give it. You can give 10-8s if they're only two of the 3Ds. Uh, and I think if you, I think if you put a dude entirely defensive for five minutes, that that is worth should be worth more than a regular round score. But I don't begrudge anyone who gave it a ten nine for MMAfighting.com. I officially scored it ten nine because I knew that's what the judges would do. Uh, I I want to rewatch it because I think there could be an argument that Jan actually won the third because as I was watching it, it felt like he was scoring a lot too. The optics were just terrible. But it's not like Pereira really ran away with the third. It was a really close fight. Jan thinks he got robbed. I think that's insane. But, you know, um, incredibly impressed with with Pereira regardless. Like, this was a fight that is difficult for him. You know, Magomed Ankalaev is maybe the toughest dude for him in this weight class. This was not an easy fight and certainly not an easy debut at 205. And he showed a lot of resilience. Uh, if, if there were five, you know, Two more rounds have just finished Yan. So I'm super excited to watch him boop Yuri. It's going to be really fun. I love Yuri and he is going to get booped and it's going to be incredibly funny. Yeah, that fight is going to be phenomenal. I'm very excited for that. We had Kevin Holland. I'm sure we'll get to that in a moment. Bobby Green, Tony Ferguson, Yowzer. But I think we need a new category for the MMA Fighting Year End Award, Shaheen. And you mentioned it on the watch party, and I th- and I think we should all vote to add this on. Free agency announcement of the year goes to Derek Lewis without question. This was, I mean, just everything about it. I just don't think I could say enough great things about it. But then to do all that and then announce that I'm a free agent was just incredible stuff. Derek Lewis won tonight, and he may have won the year with what he did in that like five or six minutes of time. Oh, that was that. That was the the truth. Okay, yeah, I agree. I mean, you're 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 not wrong. <laughs> you're very much I'm not wrong. Teeing it up. Teeing it up. Yeah, I mean, we talked about Robbie Lawler having the greatest retirement of all time. Derek Lewis just had the greatest free agency announcement of all time. That was tremendous. Dude went in there flying, need this dude's head off in 32 seconds. Took his pants off, <laughs> threw his cup <laughs> into the crowd, did a D, like 4,000 DX crotch chops, and then just kind of told everyone, like, hey, I'm, I'm here for sale. Like, that's great. That's A+, plus, 5 out of 5, 10 out of 10, no notes. Like, you you just crushed it, Derek Lewis. And this is going into a fight where, like, you heard a lot of people kind of low-key calling for Derek to make this a retirement fight. Or like, hey, man, you kind of you're, – you're past it. Maybe, maybe we do this as the last one. If I'm Derek Lewis, I'm I'm I know he said he wants to go back to the UFC. I'm sure UFC very much wants him back. He's a beloved character over there and all-time knockout leader. Can't forget that as well at this point. But if I'm Derek Lewis, I'm staring hard at PFL and that two million dollar payday to fight Francis, right? Because what what like bigger fight is there for Francis? Sort of once he comes to PFL and does the MMA thing over there, like there is Ante Delija or whoever wins the heavyweight tournament this time around is not going to be a bigger prize or a bigger fight, I should say, than, than the Derek Lewis rematch. Even if that first fight sucks, like I feel like we all would go into a re- potential rematch knowing that like there's no actual way that they're going to do this again to us. Like this is this is they're going to there's no way that, <laughs> that this could happen again. Like we would kind of expect that to be a better fight just inherently because any fight would be a better fight than that first one. If I'm Derek Lewis, I'm eyeing that hard because there's no way in hell the UFC is going to pay him $2 million over the life of whatever his next contract is. 
yeah, I kind of feel like I kind of feel like the UFC is like not the place for him because of what sort of lies ahead of him. Like, who's he no. gonna fight? Alexander Romanov. There's like, a two that's, fight. That's where he's at right now. There, there's a two step process to this that where we can live out all of our dreams and everyone can be happy and Derek can have tons of money. Step number one. Francis Ngannou, $2 million, win or lose, who cares? $2 million is $2 million. That's tremendous. Number two, make all of our dreams come true. Go over to BKFC. He is the most fighter. He is the most BKFC heavyweight to ever live. That's all I want to see is just him swinging and banging on like five foot eight big fat guys and then fighting Ben Rothwell as well. Like all of that, tremendous. Like give me as many five foot eight to five foot 10 super hairy big fat guys for, for Derek Lewis to just go put them un- ungloved meat paws all over. Cause that just sounds, that sounds delightful. I would also accept Derek Lewis versus Jake Paul in a boxing match. <laughs> there is a 0% chance Jake Paul does that. If we're talking about our dreams, and I like to think this is a place we can talk about our dreams, then I would, <laughs> I would throw that one there. Uh, yes, and, and I'm sure you agree with all of that, Jed. Um, Jed, it was a, kind of a sad start to, to the main card. We had two finishes to start the main card, but kind of sad, right? Tony Ferguson, we didn't know. We felt like they were sort of – pat. like he drops Bobby Green in the first round, and we're like, oh, my God, like this – this might happen. Maybe Tony gets back on track and then Bobby just kind of tore him apart the rest of the fight, puts him to sleep with the arm triangle late in the third round. And then right before that, Michael Chiesa returns to the cage. First fight since the Sean Brady fight in November of 2021. And he, while durable and landed a couple of decent comeback shots on the feed, this was one-way traffic for Kevin Holland. Michael Chiesa did not look great in this fight. What did you think about the first two guys? What did you think about Ferguson and Chiesa in particular? Uh, Tony Ferguson fight is what I expected. The sad part of that fight is not the uh, that fact that Tony Ferguson lost. That was written in the in the stars. Anyone who could take off their hope filled glasses knew what was coming. The sad part is, for some of us, we had Bobby Green by decision tickets at plus one twenty. <laughs> <laughs> and if Tony Ferguson doesn't roll for that idiotic knee bar and then get tapped with four seconds left in the fight or whatever, we're cashing those tickets. That was a tragedy. Uh, the opener, Michael Case apparently retired and didn't tell anyone and then still picked up a paycheck. We've all been there. Look, you, you put in your two weeks. You're like, uh, I'm just here. I'm just cruising. Let me just collect that. Just get that check because he wasn't there to fight. I don't know what that was. That was an absolutely – it was one of the worst performances I've seen this year, like that I can think of off the top of my head. Chiesa looked petrified. I, I said this in the pressure show. It looked like Chiesa thought he was fighting Francis Ngannou, like from the jump of I if, if he hits me at all, I'm going to physically disintegrate. I must I'm, I must die for the legs immediately. It's super weird performance. Um, he since come out and says he's going to dust himself off and fight again i'm not sure why uh maybe you just don't want to go out like that but that was horrific so that looked like that man should not fist fight anymore he's doing quite well as an analyst i don't know if kevin holland i can't tell if he looked good or not because it cases look so bad so a uh, bit of a tough hang to start the card in that regard. And then you know what the Tony Ferguson. And there was very much a world where we went Chiesa looking awful, Tony Ferguson getting slept at the end. 
and to Derek Lewis getting knocked out by Pizal. Thank goodness for Derek Lewis. Cause if that was the three that we had, this could have been the bad five cards, but you know, stand up fat Pat, let's go. And then I can sort of forget about those other two fights. Cause those fights, when you said at the top of the show, we'll go back and look back on this. I will, I will not. This is not an event that I'll be like, oh, I'll look back on the main event. But the other parts of the main card are just like entirely forgettable. Certainly those first two openers. I don't know about entirely forgettable, but yeah, I understand where you're coming from with the first two fights. Shaheen, as the longtime driver of the Tony Ferguson train, give us your thoughts on what transpired tonight. Come on, man. People are going to ask for it. It's time. Ah, Man, you know what sucks? Because I've been thinking about this, obviously. As as we continue this slow, agonizing march towards the Reaper for this man, it's 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 it sucks that Tony Ferguson at this point in his career has essentially I don't know how to frame this, but like it is a great tragedy to me that he has so thoroughly come to represent the cruelty of the fight game in so many different respects, right? Because like watching a Tony Ferguson fight used to be one of the most fun viewer experiences in the sport, right? Like it was just, it was a different, it it was an aura, like an atmosphere. It was just, you knew you were going to have a really fun time regardless of what happened. And now this man to me can't walk into an arena without just like this overwhelming looming sense of dread, just almost like filling the air for all of us to be like, man, I just really hope this doesn't get really ugly. And so you combine that with the fact that he already is like essentially the quintessential tragic figure of his era, right? Like this is a man who I for a long time called him the best lightweight in the world, the uncrowned champ of that division of the best division in the entire sport. At worst, he was a top two lightweight for like a good four or five years of his prime. At worst, he was the second best lightweight in the world for a long time. And he didn't get his opportunity ever to fight for an undisputed title purely because of politics purely because of whatever the Conor, Conor McGregorification of the game was at that point in time. Uh, he had bad management who also happened to manage Conor McGregor at that point in time. Like there are just a lot of circumstances and also just bad luck, right? The cord tripping, all the different times we didn't get the Habib fight, all of it. Like there are so many elements to this that that parlayed themselves into this man's just extraordinarily bad and tragic luck that he suffered over the course of the very prime of his career that left him now as this guy who had one of the longest win streaks in UFC history and yet he somehow didn't challenge for an undisputed title like it's just it sucks the moment's clearly passed and now we are left with someone who essentially embodies like whatever the worst version of this guy is going to be the last one around him to understand that this is done and he's just it's gonna last much longer than it really should and so the fact that again all of this wrapped up like it the fight game is a cruel place and in no ways is it is that cruelty more strongly seen than in tony right now just with every all those elements everything wrapped up into it it's a bummer man it's a real bummer that that like a top five lightweight of all time one of the great exciting fighters of this era this is sort of what we've come to with him i hope that this is the nadir of it i hope that this is the saddest moment for it and that you know whatever he could if he can pull off some sort of ufc can match make him somebody and then say hey this next one's your last one and people around him can get around him and say hey man this next one probably should be your last one you do not look like tony ferguson in there anymore i hope that happens and he can pull off some robbie lawler moment and we can celebrate this man for who he is and he can spend an entire week entire two weeks in the lead up to that fight 
with people telling him how much they care about him and how much his his fights meant to them and having that sort of moment. I just don't know if that's going to actually happen because I think that he's the type of guy that is going to ground this into dust and just keep getting up and keep trying over and over and over again. And it's just going to get really, really uncomfortable to watch. And I hope I'm wrong. I really hope I'm wrong. But I mean, this is someone who all week was saying five fights to a title, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. The whole thing's a bummer. The whole thing was just a really big bummer, if I'm being honest. Like it really put me in a bad place. And then Derek Lewis uh, saved the day before it, before uh, as his card kept going. Now Tony's just six fights to a title. Shane, he's he didn't say UFC title. Could be a oh, lot no. of titles out there. Oh no! Stop that! Stop that! It sucks. Yeah, it's tough. Him and Joe Lozon, UFC 300. There you go. Double retirement fight. We could celebrate one of these guys. It'll be all good. Um, yeah, like rest- people keep throwing out the Jim Miller thing, and it's like I don't even want to see. I'm that fine with Jim Miller. Again. I don't even. I, I don't think that's competitive. You're not going to give it. He's going to. Tony's going to lose to anybody who put him in there. He cooked. He cooked. Anybody who is not mm. me is going to beat him. Like give him Jen. He, I, look, if if you want to do it, UFC, I will. I will. I'm morally opposed to fighting for you as an organization, uh, for a number of very obvious reasons. I'll do this one. I'll take that L for Tony if that's if that's how you want to set it up. But I think instead we should just let him fight forever because then BJ won't have the most losses in a row in UFC history. There's the make, idea. That'll make me happy. There's the idea. Bring back BJ. Do the BJ fight. I'm here for that. I could accept that. Here's the thing, though. You, Mike, you said 300 retirement fight for both. That'll never happen because Tony is never going to be like, I need to hang it up. And I'm, I'm he's just going to fight forever. And so he's not going to do the I'll fight one last time. He, he'll fight until no one will employ him. I think that that seems pretty likely based on all of the conversations he had this week about being back. And I got bad people out of my life, et cetera. He's going to fight forever. And uh, it's the worst part of the sport. Well, it's not the worst part. Um, there are it's, other it's up there. other it's worst parts, but it is Punk? a very, very bad part of the sport. Can we get CM Punk back in here? Maybe Mike Jackson. You know, somebody. I feel like Mike Jackson already. Busy. Mike Jackson's already booked. Well, you know, hey, he, after after the business in Iowa, he can maybe come back and, and do a favor for Tony. Maybe Nico Price is just the guy to to fight these legends in their final fights. I do not see, want to see that. I, I think you guys are going about this the wrong way. Here's what you have to do because, as I said, he's not going to take the lesson. You're going to have to beat the lesson into him. You give him Max Holloway. You just say, Max, let's no do it. Way. And Max Max will physically injure him to a point that even he will have to acknowledge, I'm out. This featherweight just beat the brakes off me. I'll tell you what. It won't happen. I'd watch Tony Connor. Connor's pretty cooked, man. Connor's pretty cooked. So like I'd watch that. I would I would be for it if only because that means Tony gets his like monster payday that he never got. Because he was supposed to fight Connor 40 different times. And, And realistically, Connor is the single man that derailed Tony's career the most. Sure. But think about this. Like, yes, Tony's cooked for sure. But if Tony can simply survive five minutes, he will win because Connor cannot fight after five minutes. <laughs> he just can't do it. So it's an opportunity. I'd watch Tony Connor. I think that's the fight. Do that. I think Connor BJ. fight Michael bring Chandler. In, bring in BJ back. Bring in BJ back. That's the one. 
everyone's clamoring for it. Future governor of Hawaii right there. <laughs> he can't. He's too busy. Can you imagine if they made Conor McGregor versus Tony Ferguson before they made Conor McGregor versus Michael Chandler? Sheesh. You would love that. It, would make me, it made me really happy. I got to <laughs> say, I've never been a big Conor guy, and I don't like a lot of the things he's done outside of the cage. But in this instance, huge fan. Huge what's, fan. What's EKC doing? What's EKC doing right now? Can we get him in this fight? Ooh. I don't know. EKC has a good chance to beat Tony. <laughs> it's competitive. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm clean. I was, I was, I was You're older than Tony. You're yeah, older than Tony. I am actually older than Tony. Yeah. Yeah. I got a little of those wear and tear. Yeah. I'm down. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Maybe that's Big the maybe that's the idea. Tony, like could like, idea. Tony could fight Clay Guida. Like that's. I don't want to see that. Winnable. I don't want to see that. Trying, I'm looking at lightweights now to find somebody that Tony could fight that wouldn't be awful. Uh, there's not well, a lot of them. Not a lot yeah. of options out there, boys. All right, let's let's move on. Um, Gabriel Bonfim, quick submission win, 15 and 0, 15 finishes. Roman Kobulov, incredible head kick knockout. No bonus for him. Jake Matthews, Darius Flowers was just wild and wacky as we all expected. Euros Medic. Good finish in Matthew Semmelsberger. A lot of people felt that it was a sort of an early stoppage. I think there's a case to be made. I didn't completely hate it. Uh, Miranda Maverick, nice bounce back. Smart decision to take that fight with Priscilla Cachuera, who didn't get a single point taken away from her despite many, 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 many infractions throughout that fight. So, Quick aside. Can I have a quick aside sure. here? Absolutely. I'm going to throw this at you. Throw this back at me if you, if you disagree. <laughs> Priscilla Cachuera. The Husamal Paharis of this era. Ooh. I mean, it's I get where you're going Different. for. I don't Different. I don't think it's I don't think but it's similar. I don't think you can I don't think you can really invoke Paul Harris until we really get another Paul Harris, you know? Like she's she hasn't repeatedly tried to injure somebody after the battle. Didn't she try to gouge an eye out? I'm yeah, pretty, one pretty time. That's a one time. <laughs> also, that was during the fight. She was trying to escape with an eye gouge. It wasn't. That was Jillian Robertson, hey, right? Yeah, it's not the yeah. ref trying to pull her, her off. It's like, no, I, I'm sorry, you mistook me. I'm intent to break this man's appendage. Like it's, <laughs> it's just not the same. Paul She's Harris at least was from the same like coaching guy. tree. You know, she's from the same coaching tree where like yeah, you have I the mean, Bill Belichick coaching tree. Like she's game respects game coaching tree. Yeah, game respects game. She's she's looking at it. She's like, yeah, I see what that man does. I want to I want to incorporate some of him into me. But he's got some they, ideas. He's got some. There are levels, please. There are levels, and Paul Harris is maybe the greatest villain in the history of this sport in that regard. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? 
That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, that is UFC 291. Let's bring in maybe Tony Ferguson's next opponent, E. Casey Lydon. <laughs> we'll pull up a few questions and then we'll get on out of here because it's pretty late. It's pretty late. All right. What do we got here? Let me see. Let's see. <laughs> no, but really, what do you think of Utah? Hilarious. Dude, Dustin, Dustin I, might win the questions. Go ahead, Gene. Can I just give credit to the two men? He's the only right Dustin here. who won tonight. Low blow. Sorry. I was just going to give you credit, and now I don't even want to. Can I give credit to the two men to my right here? When, when that man, uh, I've already forgotten his name, Ryan Smith. Was it Ryan yeah. Smith? That's I the most generic name in the history of names. It's it's when, a pretty Utah name. It's a very Utah name. When Ryan Smith walked up there and then like you two spent like, I don't know, a good 30 seconds talking about how you didn't know who this was and trying to figure out who this was, went to him, realized it was just a Utah commercial and then came back to you guys being like, realistically, none of you are here to hear that. That was maybe your finest work ever. I, I have to just applaud everything to do with all of that. Like that was just that was your Derek Lewis moment tonight. A plus, five out of five stars, ten out of ten, no notes. Was that the same guy who was at the 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 media day too? I have no idea. I didn't watch. Older probably. gentleman, part of the commission. Oh no, yes. he's backwards hat. No or backwards hat. Very cool. Ryan guy. Ryan uh, is not part of the commission. He's the owner of the Utah Jazz. Okay, yeah, so he's, just, yeah. he's just a yeah. spokesperson because or they didn't Utah. have Dana or whatever. They were just like, here, here's this. Hello, fellow kids. I have a backwards <laughs> hat, and I'm here to talk to you about how great I'm Utah is. one of you. Is. I'm just a billionaire okay. of a backwards hat. It's, it's low unemployment. Do the, uh, the backwards chair, too, and be like, yeah, let's really get down with it, kids, you know, type of yeah, thing. Because, yeah, because at Media Day, just – all of a sudden, a random older gentleman sits down at the table and talks about, oh, we're so excited to have the UFC back here in the commission. And then he's like, if you guys have questions for me, please ask away. And obviously, like, people are like, well, this Who dude. Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> he had a longer scrum than Justin Gaethje had at Media Day. Oh, Oh, Ryan Smith definitely had a longer scrum than Derek Lewis, who was in and out extremely quickly in the post-fight presser, and maybe Pereira, who was not there very long either. Like, they did a full-blown Utah ad read for, like, 20 minutes. It was a long time. Sheesh. Utah sounds like a great place, guys. Uh, Look, they paid millions of dollars to get the opportunity to make that ad read. And then Casey was like, hey, we should just go back on because F this. So, no free advertisements for Utah. Utah. Every time they come to Utah, we're getting pretty wild cards. So if this is going to be just a consistent thing every year, and we're going to get some pretty nasty stuff going on in Utah, I'm here for it. Yeah, see, great. Dude, the last Utah card was bad. The last Utah, but it also gave us like an all-time highlight. It it did, but if that miracle doesn't happen, instead it gives us an all-time terrible fight card. So I don't know. I think I mean they're going to keep coming back because Utah is going to keep paying them. So yeah. Get used to it, everybody. And we'll keep talking over Ryan Smith telling us <laughs> about the great tourism industry of Utah. Oh, 
Can I ask you two gentlemen a question? Super fun to not drink. Can I ask you two gentlemen a question? Because I already know where Mike stands on this. We talked about it on the watch party. Uh, if you're if you're the lucky fan in the Utah crowd who catches the Derek Lewis Cup, what's your move? What's your next like fifteen seconds? Yeah, I'm not catching that. <laughs> okay, catch it. I'm assuming Shoot it's me. warm. It's definitely warm and sweaty. <laughs> warm and sweaty. <sighs> What are you doing? Because Mike said give it to a kid, and I don't. I think that's the no, worst. I think I think that's illegal. What, what, what I no. What I, really, <laughs> I was I was compare. What I was saying was I was comparing it to catching a foul ball at a baseball game. If someone wants that ball, or in this instance, that cup more than I do, then I'm just gonna give it to them. Because I I'm just like, what am I gonna do with this? And I'm not gonna like. Put it on eBay and sell it. Like, what am I gonna get for a Derek Lewis Warren Cup? Maybe something. Maybe there's maybe, somebody that else. Was, that'll that be that a lot probably of more than you'd think. Honestly, that was a classic moment. I think you could get something for that. Yeah. So that I would just but, if but, someone really wanted, come on, let me have it. Let me have it. I'd be like, but the thing is, fine, you take gotta, the fucking cup. You got to think. There's like an hour and fifteen minutes left of you just sitting there holding the cup. Like the card's not yeah, done. That's fine. I don't yeah, want. You don't yeah. have a backpack or anything. You can't. It doesn't fit in your pocket. You just. Yeah. No, you don't have a backpack. You can't. Yeah. You didn't come to this fight with a backpack. Yeah, you just hold it. Here's the thing, Shane. You actually nailed it because I don't think I'm going to catch it anyway. Like I think I just would be, would be like, why would I try and grab that? But if I did end up with it for whatever reason, that's an iconic thing. We talk about it in the damn. They were good. What's a piece of memorabilia? There are many pieces from Derek Lewis's illustrious career. But look, it'll it'll be weird, and the night of it'll be weird. But in like 15 years, to be like. I'm the dude who owns the cup. Derek Lewis heaved into the crowd in oh, yeah. Utah before yeah. thanking the Mormons and talking about how he's going to go <laughs> have relations with his wife. Like that would be a like, it's not a thing I'd put up behind me on the wall tomorrow. But like, if I had this in 20 years, you'd be like, what is that? And when I told you like, okay, that's kind of sick. Yeah, it's there's a very weird, clear. It's also kind of sick. I don't know when it is, but there's a very clear point, tipping point in the timeline where it seems it ages gross. super it's like well. Like a cool thing that you have suddenly. It ages super well, so it's like a fine wine. You gotta, you gotta just store yeah. it away for a little bit. Derek Lewis's, uh, Derek Lewis's warm cup is like a fine wine. Of course, that's yeah. Man. It's, it's yeah. Derek Lewis's warm cup, sweaty cup is like uh, a hair, your hair when you're trying to grow your hair long. Like there's an uncomfortable stage, and you gotta get face, past the yeah. uncomfortable stage. A very much. I'm just saying when we inevitably do the damn on Derek Lewis, the uh, Fatal Sorter of Absolute Victory Award, the cup will be mentioned. It will absolutely be a mentioned item. So I would keep it or a thousand percent keep it if I caught it. <laughs> what if you weren't even looking? It just like hits you. <laughs> just lands in your beard as you're holding your beard. Also, it was here. He put on a poll, and we get a lot of votes on this. I'm well, sure. here's the thing: if I go with like a bunch of buddies, and I'm already six beers deep into this card, I'm a thousand percent trying to talk one of them into doing a shoey off the cup. There were oh, a lot of shoeys being done in that crowd. I'm like six buddies, and we're all drunk, and be like, "Come on, Pete, do it, do it," and we'd be having a real good time. Is Pete? I don't know who Pete is, but he seems like the guy who I would just, do it. If you just immediately went to him. Pete is my generic person name. Uh, if I'm just like <laughs> okay. need a, a, a stand in, it's one of the names I always go to. All right. Uh, 
what a, wanna... what a start to the questions, by the way. <laughs> Huge fan of this. Good work, guys. Hey, credit Shaheen. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to uh, mess up there, but. Is Tony Ferguson oh, about to be the Bigfoot Silva of lightweight MMA? At least he apologized. Yeah. Is that accurate? Um, Is that, are we going that route? Man. I hope not, man. If we're doing this still two years, three years from now. Is he in some random Russian org? You know, it's not a good time. He fought in France last time, Bigfoot, and it was a decision loss. So that's an improvement. Uh, yeah. No, the answer here is yes. I mean, look, he was at least somewhat competitive with Bobby Green, who's a top 30 lightweight probably. But, yeah, he's not beating anybody good anymore. It just is what it is. Yeah. But yeah, not too much. Yeah, not not too much to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, just makes me just, sad. If you've just been around this sport or combat sports in general, this is just how it goes for a certain subset of fighters who are very very good. This Especially, is a particularly cruel one, though. Just considering everything. Tony never made that payday. That's the problem. Never got he never, it. He never got the payday. So he, which he, oh. which I'm glad that he got the Nate Diaz one recently of like getting some I, yeah, last you're right. Yeah, I guess he, like he did get a, a little bit of event. something. Yeah, you're right. But it's still but, not enough. Yeah. Uh, on a positive note, we didn't talk about this gentleman at all. Too much. How scary is Gabriel Bonfim? Dude's real good, isn't he? He looks exceedingly, exceedingly solid. Um, really fun prospect. Keep developing. Keep. I mean, I knew that that was like, I think I may have picked on one of the things we were talking about this week by sub was just the most obvious outcome because he's got a really good gilly, but I mean, he, he jumped on that oh, thing immediately. That gilly was oh, nasty. The way, the way that Always jump the gilly. Always. Always. <laughs> Dustin didn't jump the gilly, he lost. Coincidence? Well, I'll let you figure it out. Welterweight needs it too, man. I don't know that welterweight has like a, like obviously Shavcat, but. I don't know. There, there's a lot of like really interesting young prospects coming up at welterweight right now. So, just yeah, I mean, JDM, JDM, and Gary, and Gary, yeah, yeah, yeah. JDM, got- Gary. Like you could name a few, but I, it's not like some big reserve like lightweight has and featherweight, basically. Yeah. Well, but yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's great to have more, and he is. He looks really, really good. Yep. Um. I kind of felt like Roman Kopilov got screwed. Out of bonus tonight. Who got the him? Bom- the, the bumping. Oh, all main card the, the main card all finishers. Jeez, oh, yeah. Okay, I mean, Gaethje and Lewis card placement both matters. absolutely deserve it. Card placement Certainly. matters if you want that money. I'm uh, Kevin Holland. Kind of just doesn't deserve it because of how inert Michael Chiesa looked. Uh, I don't really have any issues with it. Again, it's just dumb. Stop doing post fight bonuses. It's just yeah. bonuses for finishes. It's, it's, we don't have to relitigate yeah, that. It's incredibly done. Yeah. Uh, if you'd like to incentivize excitement, just do bonuses for all finishes. How cool! Is Honestly, Herb one of the best things. One of the best things Herb's done in forever. Like Herb, Herb still got it. Yeah, no hokey Herb pokey Herb that time. Granted, it would have been impossible to really second guess with the way that all flew out. But great, great work from Herb. Yeah, broke up the double play. Very nice. The only bad refereeing that I can remember on this card, uh, and I will acknowledge that I was not paying attention for the Maverick Cashewara fight uh, all that much, but um, not taking a point in the uh, vicious eye poke on um, what was that fight? The Ferguson fight? 
No, no, no. The other one. Ferguson did get out. Well, no, the Ferguson fight was also really, really bad. Actually, oh, the Ferguson fight you know, was really awful. That was actually when, when like a really that was big actually, moment in that fight. Actually, we don't really talk about that. That yeah, that changed the fight. That changed the fight. Absolutely. I I kind of joked about it in our Slack channel, but I I, I think it was it, it's kind of true. That gave um, Bobby Green a, a big break. And uh, what, what happened right before that? Was he dropped? He got dropped. He got, he got dropped a minute before. And before, yeah, he got a good two-minute recovery, and then after that, it was pretty much all downhill for Ferguson. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. Eye pokes yeah. matter. Oh, what she... was the other bad eye poke tonight? What, 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 uh, what maybe I was. Well, there was something else that was happening. Oh, the it was the weird there was body the weird pick thing. The, yeah, yeah, that whole thing was super weird. Darius oh, Flowers. the uh, Darius Flowers. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, it's got to be such a weird position for you if you're a fighter and you're just hearing you hearing Joe Rogan repeatedly basically call you a coward like on the broadcast. It's got to just I like I, I can't imagine understand what it. Is like. so, and even in the post fight interview, he brought it up. Yeah, again. even like, Jake, Jake, it was, Jake, even he, hey Jake, man, that guy, he cut, that was pretty bad. And Jake's like, uh, no, nah, I think I kicked him in the, I think I kicked him in the in the crotch. It's fine. And Jake was like, no, it's, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Rogan's gotten really bad about that lately. And here's the thing. Like, I actually kind of agree with ro what Rogan was trying to say there. It's like, yes, that did hit him low. That it probably by technical definition of foul. Feels like the actual damage that occurred came not from an illegal thing, but the illegal like, action was in incidental. And so it puts you in this weird gray area. But being so definitive with like, this guy is a cheater and a coward. F him. Is like, you're a commentator, homie. Like, that's not... You just – and it feels like it's been happening not just with Rogan, with a bunch of dudes. Dominic Cruz is really bad about this stuff too. It's just like you you have to have some level of professionalism and objectivity if that's your role. Like do better. It's not hard to just be like, huh, well, I assume that that guy's not lying and that's just a weird one. Like give – presume that they aren't lying. Give them the benefit of the doubt. I never understood that. So I was like, these guys are, are modern-day gladiators. Oh, you're a cheater. You know, instantly. You like, know, like, so quick to do it, too. So like, quick. So, and so, yeah. so, like, absolute about it, too. It's like, ugh. It was bad. It was bad. Um, it wasn't the best No. Uh, I will say, because um, when we're doing the watch, where I can kind of hear the commentary. It's just, like, in one ear, and it's kind of low. Um, the moment where they replayed the commentator reaction to Justin Gaethje knocking out Dustin Poirier was wild. Like DC just had this like look of concern. Rogan just had this look of shock and John Anik was just exploding. Like you got to see all these different emotions just kind of come together. It's not like your typical fight reaction where Rogan's like throwing DC in the chair and Anik screaming and yelling. Like you get to see like the utter shock on Joe Rogan's face and the somewhat like heartbreak for DC because of the relationship he has with Dustin Poirier and then Anik just being Anik, that Boston side of him coming out, just enjoying the violence. Like it was a really cool replay to watch. At least for me, I was like, wow, like that just kind of encapsulates like all the different emotions you can feel after a crazy moment like that. It was nuts. Uh, hold on. Let me find some more questions. Do, do, do. We'll take like one or two more. Uh, um, we talked about PFL going after Derek Lewis, right? That's the obvious. Yeah. I'm surprised it's, nothing it's, about Wonder Boy. 
Uh, I saw. Um, God, or, I'd love to oh. <laughs> what petty, petty people. I don't know. We have. I, I don't know if we've confirmed this or not. Uh, I know. Yeah, Mike. Mike Bond tweeted it out. Unconfirmed, but it seems pretty likely to be true. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like you know. Sure, I don't. You don't want to rant. On, you don't want to rant really on it. Too funny. Too, we can confirm it, but it's just if this is actually the reality of this situation, especially like given Stephen Thompson's background of having this happen to him with Darren Till and what happened after that, where. It's, Darren Till like suffered no consequences whatsoever and went right to a title shot. And then Wonder Boy hasn't come close to like even sniffing a title eliminator since. Yeah. Like, come on, man. Yeah. That dude did his job. He invested a ton of money probably into a three month training yeah. camp. He left his family, flew to Salt Lake City, fulfilled every fight week obligation you put in front of him. He hit the contracted weight. He did not sign to fight at middleweight. He signed to fight at welterweight. He's 41 years old. A loss is like slamming his window shut for good. Like, you already budgeted out the money to pay both these dudes the show the show purses. Like you're just not going to pay him. Yeah. At least uh, uh, the other one, the other fighter who had to fight someone that was overweight by a couple pounds, uh, CJ Vergara. He even said, "Oh, uh, I had to take the fight. I can't afford not to." You know, and luckily I guess Wonder Boy, you know, of his own uh, karate dojo or whatever he has up in the Carolinas, um, he was he could he has enough money, but yeah, it's unfortunate. But what is next? It's just stupid. Boy? Yeah, it it's is just stupid. If you get if you get put in a position where your due options are either you don't get paid despite fulfilling your obligations, or you fight with the disadvantage at an age where you just can't afford to lose a fight, like and, what are we and doing? UFC can't they they can't really afford funny. it easily, easily. They won't even notice it. So that, Dude, next February oh, we're gonna get it. another. Oh. Next February we're gonna get another update off of an earnings call that Damon Martin's yeah. going to write for this website about how 2023 was the so most lucrative money. year for the history of Endeavor and UFC. Like this is, it's just, it would be depressing if it wasn't so unsurprising. Yeah. Somebody, somebody's got to pay for acquiring WWE. It's yeah. $20 million or whatever the purchase price is. You think this could come out of Ari Emanuel's pocket? Hell no, it's not. It's going to come oh. out of the, the other people that they could take that money from so that's Wonder interest versus, right there Wonder Boy, versus, Wonder Boy versus JDM no no effing chance that that fight happens they're not going to offer it to Wonder Boy and Wonder Boy ain't going to take it because I don't know who Wonder Boy's going to fight though there's two options he's either going to fight it, it all depends on how the UFC views this and if Mike's tweet is true they're going to feed like Sean he's going to fight Sean Brady like he's going to fight a grappler who's just going to take him down and sit on him. And Sean Brady is will be available in at a certain point to fight Wonderboy. The other option, which, fight. Is, which is just it's a spot behind him, though. It's, it's not like I just don't think I don't think Wonderboy accepts the fight. And the only other option, the other option is somebody managed for like eleven years. Yeah, like eleven yeah, oh, years. No, Usman's a great one. Do Usman. Yeah. Usman's it. Nailed it. That's it. Perfect. Yeah, Lock it up. It depends. Golden. Just yeah. do the Usman fight. It's great. Yeah. I like the Usman for, one. Yeah, I think it works Wonder Boy for would, Wonder Boy would take it. think that's a good – yep. Usman would definitely do take one. it. Yeah, yeah just do that one. It's a big great. fight. Um, yeah. That's a that's – Great a, that's great move by refusing to fight and probably getting wrestled by Michelle Pajeda. <laughs> now you get to fight Kamar Usman. Good. Going I love the move. Yeah. MVP. <laughs> MVP always possible. Oh, I forgot they're going to buy MVP because they're definitely going to get MVP. So, yeah, actually I accept either of those outcomes. I think they do well, very – Prayer MVP maybe now. 
Wonder Boy said no, the they're going to punish that, Pereira. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Wonder Boy said at the media day that he's not going to fight MVP because they're yeah, like they're friends. Yeah. They oh, are they friends? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, yeah we that, about that makes sense. Then. That makes sense. Coming but maybe the UFC right. just like forces him to fight MVP. Well, just, you didn't fight Pereira, so now you got to fight this dude. You have to fight your friend. Sorry. They can just do karate touch kicking. It's fine. Yeah, you know, people people think they want to see that fight, but I don't think they do. No, it would be terrible, but it would be fun. It would have been really awful to watch Wonder Boy fight Pereira if it was going to be Capoeira versus Karate. A fight would have sucked all the ass. Pereira was going to tackle him, so it would have been fine. A fight would have been miserable. Wonder Boy staying four yards away while (laughs) Pereira tries like a spinning Capoeira kick that doesn't come within a country mile of him. fight would have been horrific. Um... If Lewis gets resigned, is Tybura his most logical matchup? God. <laughs> oh man. That's kind of the problem with Derek Lewis resigning. What's what what do you what do you The rematch about? everyone asked for. I was I was like, haven't these guys fought? Yeah. yeah. There's a very obvious fight for Derek Lewis if he resigns. And it's Jair Senior Rosenstrike. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's, that's, that's if he resigns, that's the only fight you possibly put together. Which uh, is exactly why you it don't seems resign. Online. It you seems go to really unlikely that Derek Lewis yeah. is going to resign because he can just sign with the PFL for one fight. Be like, hey, guys, I would like to accept the one fight offer for $2 million and then go do whatever else. Basically, don't say whatever else. Like BKFC is not the whatever else. You know what the whatever else is. I think I'm the one who said Derek Lewis to BKFC first. I know. I'm with you. But, you know, if he wants to play the field a little bit, get that love i'm okay with it but go get your two million first and do it now so you can go to saudi and you can sit uh you know ringside for francis versus thing and be like oh francis lost but now he can find me in the pfl smart cage Woo! it's pocket porter after he beats <laughs> junior taffa wait wait you know i'm I mean, here I for any at all pocket porter i mean t- I mean, two guys who have taken their, their, you know, their nutrition seriously. They're taking their workout seriously. They're more spelt than they've ever been in their entire careers. I mean, just the, the build to that's going to be incredible. Derek Lewis isn't going to know who Park Porter is the entire time until after he fights him. It's just going to be fun. We'll just I do would that. also, I will say, I don't think it's going to happen. That's fine. I would, I would watch. Derek Lewis versus Jailton Almeida. Like, what if, what if the, what if the barbecue BJJ of just standing up is, is, is kryptonite to Jailton Almeida and he can't do anything? He's like, he just keeps standing up. I don't understand it. I'd like to see Derek Lewis tied to Ibasa too, because that first Ooh. fight was insane. That, like it, wasn't, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I'd like but to see that in BKFC. Was... <laughs> yes, yes. See Ooh. that in BKFC. Ooh, you might have right. just got the correct answer. Yeah. All right, we're getting a little uh, some negative feedback for the Usman thing. Br- break it down why this is a good fight. Uh, why would Wonderboy want to fight Usman? Because he would get a title shot if he won. Yeah, thank you. Just, I'm that's sorry. What why do people is about want right to now. fight former champions? Yeah, he doesn't want to fight the number one ranked guy. Win. Of course, he would take that fight. Like, if there's anybody he would fight, it would be Usman. Yeah, because they haven't Here's fought each other. Who else is, does he want to fight? Gilbert Burns again? No. Like, why would he want to fight any of the other dudes in this weight class? Does he want to fight Shafkat? No. 
Yeah, at least fighting Usman gets him like if he wins, even if it doesn't get him a title shot, which it would get him a title shot, it's a massively significant victory for his career in a way that beating Bilal Muhammad is not. It would be yeah. would it be his best it would be his best win of his career, right? Am I Yes. Boy, boy? I I would say by a large yeah. margin beating Kamaru yeah. Usman. Yeah. John, is Johnny Hendricks the best win of his career, probably, at the, the time of it? <laughs> Just melting him in round one? I mean, based on timing, hey, Rory? Yeah, Johnny, Johnny Hendricks Maybe was Rory. still real. Maybe Rory. I don't know. The, the Johnny Hendricks uh, loss was like right after Hendricks beats Matt Brown, and we still think that he's got it because he arguably should have beaten Robbie in their rematch. So it's probably Johnny His Hendricks first based event, on timing. Yeah. I mean, if we're just talking like wins that have aged the best, knocking out Bobby Knuckles is a pretty damn good win for Wonder Boy. Um, yeah. But yeah, I would say uh, it's Johnny Hendricks is probably the best one in his career looking at it right now. Um, Man, he really does have a solid career. There are a lot of very quality wins. Yeah. Could you do Kevin Holland, Wonder Boy? We no, just saw just, that. They just, they just, they just. Oh yeah, never mind. What the hell yeah, am I yeah, talking yeah. about? <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, they, look, Mike, it's like three twenty-two. Yeah, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. Speaking of, yeah, cooking, could, could you do right. Kevin? Well, you you actually could. In fact, we they saw did it seven months ago, and Wonder Boy won. Kevin Holland didn't that. shoot takedowns and yeah. got the brains batched yeah. out of this result. I think Wonder Boy and Michelle Pereira, that'd be a good fight. They should set that up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> could also do that. I think we're good, gentlemen. Yeah, I think we're good. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm at an all-time low, and I don't know if I can dig myself out of that hole. So. <laughs> and speaking of matchmaking That's suggestions, what say, you always sure you want to end on a low note. <laughs> yeah, make sure you join me in six hours and 40 minutes where I do more matchmaking. So I'm sure you're going to wake right up and tune into that after that terrible pick. But forgive me. We all make mistakes. But thank you all very much. UFC 291 in the books. Uh, if you want to go back and watch the reactions to the watch party, there's timestamps in there now, so you can go check them all out. And now we're getting ready for another busy week, everybody. We got Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz, whole crew going to Dallas. We got UFC Nashville, Corey Sanhagen versus Rob Font. And then they're back in the apex the following week. So at least you get a crowd and all sorts of fun stuff. So thank you all for joining us for Jed, for Casey, for Shaheen. I am Mike Heck. Good night, everybody. Love you. Love you guys. You only love the guys, Shaheen. You don't love all of them. The yeah, royal guys, you know, the it's a royal we situation. <laughs> <laughs>
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.